Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a 1,000 at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
Sometimes you just gotta think through things. It is me, the Shogun, on a Monday morning. What, Chris? And I'm telling you, I think I'm gonna start doing this thing because I'm a bad person. I do things all the time that just make me laugh. Like my sons all have, they always have bruises because they're sons. And every time I'll say, oh man, that one, that one looks bad. Come over here, let me see it. And then I'll poke it. Be like, dad, and run away. So I'm a bad person, but I've decided on Monday mornings, I'm just going to be extra peppy because nobody wants to be here. (laughs) Have you you ever worked with somebody like that? I worked with a guy like that once. Yeah, baby, Mondays. Yeah, you want to kill that person. No, it's going to be a wild day today. The U.S. Army. Halting the gender-neutral fitness test so women can start doing better. Oregon handing out 123 big ones for slavery reparations. And sports parents. This one might cut some of you deep. Everyone else is going to relate to it, though. Now... Let's rewind just a bit. When I say just a bit, we're rewinding to before Christ, about 100 years before Christ. It's actually the year 112-ish. Don't worry about that. We're pre-Christ. We're going to ancient Rome. This is not taking place in Rome, and this is not the Roman emperor era. This is pre-Julius Caesar, all that. Now, we're not too pre-Julius Caesar, but at this point in time, Rome is still run really by the Senate. They have a couple proconsuls. They're basically like presidents, maybe a little less power than a president, but they only serve one-year terms, and there's two of them. It's very weird. And I will say, to their credit, I think we would be a lot better off if we copied this model. Their proconsuls were almost always generals, men who would lead men into combat. And lots of the time, these generals were in combat. It was not at all uncommon. Go look at the history of the Roman Empire, how many consuls died in combat. Think about, think about how much differently your country would view war and deployments and extended things if the president of the United States himself is in the foxhole right next to you with taking rounds. You think maybe we'd be a little more reserved about things? And, and get this, back then, as you well know, it wasn't just you. Your sons grew up learning about how important that was. If you were one of the higher classes, Part of your son's growing up was military training and military conquest. And guess what your Uncle Bob did? And guess what Uncle Jerry did? And you could, your great-grandfather led this battle. You grow up thinking, well, I have to do that too. And off to war you go. Not at all uncommon for a great general and his son to both die in combat, as happened to the Roman Crassus. But setting all that aside... There's this place called Carthage, and no, don't get excited. This isn't the Punic War show. Well, any one of the three Punic Wars, it's none of this. But 
You need to understand a little bit about the Carthage-Roman situation before we can get to where we are. Carthage and Rome, when they first started having their squabbles, you would have looked at it on paper and said, eh, I give Rome a chance. They're certainly young and upcoming and, and impressive, no doubt, no doubt impressive, but obviously Carthage is going to win. Look, it's Carthage. Carthage was, you can picture the Mediterranean in your mind, you got the Italian boots sticking out in the middle of it. Carthage was northern Africa, modern-day Tunisia, northern Africa. Don't worry about Tunisia. Don't worry about that. Just know it was a major, major, major seaport. They got stupid rich on all the shipping, goods, back and forth, and I mean stupid rich. There was going to be an inevitable clash between them and this up-and-comer to the north. Rome wins the first war. That's the first of the Punic Wars. Then they get in the second Punic War. This is the one where you, we have the great general Hannibal Barca wiping out multiple gigantic Roman armies. But eventually he can't get the support from Carthage he needs. Goes back home. They lose the second Punic War too. Which brings us to the third Punic War. Rome, after the second Punic War, did... Remember what we did to Germany after World War I? Rome essentially did that to Carthage after the Second Punic War. You can't have this. You can't have that. We're going to take hostages from you. And they put this absurd... Rome essentially... Only Rome was pretty open about it. What they did to Carthage after the Second Punic War was simply set up... We really want to come back here and kill all of you and wipe you out. So we don't think you're going to be able to abide by any of these... So just know that they made Carthage pay an absurd amount of money back. They made it so Carthage wasn't allowed to declare war with anybody else without Rome's without Rome's permission. And it's not as if Rome's going to go running down there to protect Carthage. If Carthage is in trouble, you essentially tied their hands behind their back. Well, remember about five and a half seconds ago when I said Carthage was really, 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 really rich. They paid off their debt almost immediately. They just started making so much money and started paying it down to get out from under the Roman yoke. They paid off almost immediately. But Numidia, they're right next to Carthage, and that's actually what our story is about today. They're right next to Carthage, and they're not friends with Carthage. And think what it's like having Big Brother right next door for all this time. It can be taxing. You're never number one. You and I will never know how that feels, Lord willing. We've we've been, we've spent our adult lives being number one in the world, let alone number one in our region. But I think about this a lot when I think about Eastern European countries butting right up against Russia. You have this gigantic grizzly bear breathing down your neck at all time with a rough, rough history of what happens when they decide they're going to come take you. That's got to be an odd feeling, doesn't it? You go to your border in some of these nations, you have troops on the border. Not troops guarding against illegal immigrants. You have people guarding against a Russian invasion. A Chinese invasion. China and India, they have border scraps. But people are dying as we speak all the time. They hate each other. 
It's a different way of thinking. It's a different mentality. You and I don't know that. And like I said, Lord willing, we won't ever know that. We don't know that. But Numidia, they're looking at Carthage, two Punic Wars, having to pay all this money back. The military is not really much to speak of. They're not allowed to declare war on us. They're really not allowed to fight back. What if what if we poked them in the ribs a little bit, got them really, really mad, and we declared war and took over Carthage? Rome has already chopped Carthage down to nothing. Now's the time. We're not under them anymore. Let's aggravate them a bit and then go take them over. And that's where so much of the money was in the ancient world, remember. It wasn't in the war itself. War is now and always was very expensive. But war got very, very profitable back in the day. Why? Well, we'll talk about that. And slavery reparations passing. Oh, boy. Hang on. out catch up jessekellyshow.com you start telling yourself some things whenever you're sitting by the hospital bed of somebody you love with tubes coming out of them i have blood pressure problems in my family i have heart problems in my family that's simply the kelly tradition I, even at 39, don't have the luxury of just ignoring that. I have to take care of my heart. So I started looking around. I started asking around. And you know I hate pills, right? I despise pills. Super beats heart shoes. Super beats heart shoes. All natural. They help my workouts. They help it when I eat right. They are a multiplier for being good for you and me. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. And when you buy two bags there, you get the third for free. Seventy bills across 26 states designed to protect Female participants in sports, what has the great oracle been telling you? Balkanize. Go somewhere where you and your family can be safe. It's the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have, well, sports parents. Gear up for this one. I'm going to try to get to this next hour. Sports parents. We have to talk. We have to talk. But back to our story. Ancient Rome, roughly the year 100 BC. That's not right. I only just give you rough things because who really cares whether it's 100, 112, 99? It's old. Before Christ and old. Numidia, they want to be the ones to finish off a weakened Carthage and not the Romans. Why? Why? Remember this. 
Rome, the ancient world in general, viewed war differently than we view it today. You can argue they viewed it in a more evil way. You can argue they viewed it in a more practical way. But war was generally only really costly if you either A, lost, or B, were fighting somebody who basically had nothing, which you'd never do because there's nothing to go to war over. War used to come with spoils. We fight wars now for nothing. Just a gigantic gigantic money suck. It's what they are. What, on a macro level, not to get too deep in the weeds and distracted here, what are we hoping to get out of Afghanistan? Whatever you think about that, I've been very vocal about what I think, but what do we get? And see, this is when the moral argument comes into play. It's not about that. It's about so kids can read and stuff like that. That's that's how we think of war now. War back then, war for most of human history, came with spoils. When you won your war, you took what you pleased. And back then, you wouldn't have just wanted the goods and services you could you could take from Carthage if you took them over. You wanted the slaves. Everybody became slaves. Most of the time, the men had to die because they were of fighting age. Women and children, slaves. Slavery, remember, is the history of the world. Contrary to what your college professor who hates America and wants it destroyed told you, it's not some uniquely American invention. The history of the world. Whatever your heritage is, somebody in your history has been a slave. And somebody in your history probably owned them. Don't have to love it. That's the history of the world. And slaves were so absurdly profitable, absurdly profitable, millionaire after millionaire after millionaire just in the slave trade in the ancient world. Numidia starts poking Carthage in the ribs with the hope of finishing them off. Carthage may be a little down on their luck, although still making a ton of money, but they're still a proud people and they decide they're not going to take that anymore. And they declare war on Numidia. Remember, Carthage was not allowed to declare war on Numidia. Rome was sitting there just waiting for an excuse to come take Carthage. Boom, Carthage violates the agreement, declares war on Numidia. Rome says, now it's on. We're coming after you. We'll set that aside because it's not about Carthage. Let's focus on Numidia because Carthage goes down. Rome takes it, burns it to the ground, salts the earth behind it. The the kind of thing we should do to the public school system, but that's another story entirely. Now we have Numidia here. Numidia's a little salty. They're, they're, They're real salty about not getting to take down Carthage. And they have their own internal struggles, mainly because of a man named Jugurtha. Yeah, I know what a great name, Chris. Jugurtha was a warrior, a Numidian warrior, and the Numidians were famously very, very good in a fight, as we'll find out in a moment. And he had, as many people had back in the day, served under Romans. Rome was always taking this unit from these people and this unit from these people. And they were really good about educating the people under them. 
They had taught Jugurtha how to fight. They had taught Jugurtha how they fought. And they were very impressed with Jugurtha. Now, Jugurtha wasn't supposed to take over Numidia. He, I'm not going to go into all the political intrigue behind it. Let's just say some people were murdered. And Jugurtha just so happened to be the one who wasn't murdered and ended up in the chair. It's weird how that happened. But Rome eventually spits Numidia in two. They give Jugurtha half of it. They put their special guy on the other half of it. Jugurtha says, no, 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 no. I want the whole thing for me. He invades. Now Rome is mad. Now you're trying to bounce somebody out of the throne who we wanted there. Rome declares war. On top of this, Jugurtha, when he unified Numidia the hard way, the Abraham Lincoln way, oh, quick, Chris, we can make jokes. When he unified them the hard way, he killed some Romans. You don't kill Romans. You don't harm Romans. As we pointed out, Rome, to their credit, greatest empire in the history of the world for a reason, Rome was famously brutal on anyone who harmed one of their citizens. You remember the book from the Bible. It's the New Testament, so Chris won't know this. But when Paul is arrested and he's about to be flogged and he says, are you going to do that to a Roman citizen? And they all start pooping their pants. Oh, no, uh, uh, I didn't know you were Roman. Sorry, sorry. There's a reason. Rome wanted its people to feel safe when they traveled. If you want people to feel safe when they travel, if you want them to feel like they're under the, the protection of your nation when they travel, well, you can't send a bodyguard with them at all times, but you can make an example out of somebody. An example is a powerful thing. Enough people had been made an example of you don't hurt a Roman citizen. Jugurtha made that mistake, kills a Roman. Now Roman legions are marching into Numidia. But Numidia is rocky, it's desert, it's mountain, it's crappy terrain. It's not great. I remember, we're in northern Africa. We're not in lush, black-soiled, beautiful Rome. We're, it's, it's rough. And Rome, because they're Rome and you're coming off a few Punic Wars and you're, you're feeling like eh, pretty much untouchable, getting a little bit cocky. And it's understandable they would feel untouchable. They just fought not one, not two, but three heavyweight fights against the heavyweight champion of the world you would probably consider at that time, Carthage, and won them all. And the last one by decisive knockout. If you're Rome... You're not going to get challenged by this. Okay, kind of strong, but nothing near Carthage. People and think anything of it. They march into Numidia and promptly lose half their force. They get ambushed. They completely underestimated the warrior-like nature of the Numidian people. And the force, remember I said they lost half? They might have been considered the lucky ones because the other half had to do something the Romans called passing under the yoke. Essentially, your army had to march underneath. I mean, think about a sign that said, you guys are a bunch of sissies. That's what they had. It was the, it was the most dishonoring thing ever. If it happened to you as a commander, you probably, it was not uncommon for them to kill themselves. The troops who had to walk under it, think how horrible this is, were oftentimes ostracized from society. 
simply not welcome back. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. But it's not quite over yet. These are Romans, after all. Hang on. Jake's Mint Chews will help you quit dipping tobacco. I am qualified to do very few things in this life, but when I tell you something will help you quit dipping tobacco, you can take that to the bank. Because however much you love dipping, or that relative or friend you're thinking about getting Jake's Mint Chews for, however much they love dipping, trust me, I loved it more. I didn't even want to quit. I just knew I needed to quit. That's how much I loved it. I needed a transition to help me get off of it. And I try, look, I tried everything. I tried the patch. I tried sunflower seeds. I tried cigarettes because I'm dumb. Jake's Mint Chew, no tobacco, no nicotine, sugar-free. It's good for you. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That'll get you 20% off. Remember, if you miss any part of the world-famous Jesse Kelly show. I can say world-famous, Chris. If you don't want me to say world-famous, then don't give me the international podcast numbers. Now I'm going to say world-famous. It could be only one listener in Antarctica, but now it's world-famous in my mind. That's how I look at things. The world-famous Jesse Kelly show, once it's done being nationally syndicated for the day, goes up, podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, on iTunes, leave a five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We have a bunch of new reviews, and man, these are so, but look, Chris, they're just so honest. What? This one's titled, Your Good Looks Are Blinding. You stimulate the mind with interesting history segments and spot-on political analysis. This one's titled, Love the Show, You Handsome Muppet. I don't know what Muppet means, but that sounds nice. This one's titled, This Man is Insane. Jesse Kelly is a dangerously insane human being. He's constantly talking to the voice in his head that he refers to as producer Chris. If it weren't for his dashing good looks, this podcast would be a dumpster fire. Five stars. <laughs> I love you guys. All right. Quit distracting me. Back to our story. Let's try to get this thing wrapped up. Rome gets half its force wiped out. The other half humiliated, passing under the yoke. Now, uh, this this happens a lot to Rome. In fact, it's happened to great powers throughout history. You get awfully cocky because you've won some wars. And you're looking around at your Roman legions and the shiny armor and the long spears and the shields and everyone. I mean, and they were very good. The Roman legions were absurdly good. And you start saying to yourself, man, we know what we're doing here. And this, 
this upstart ain't going to get it done. But you get slapped around once or twice, and if it doesn't cost you your existence as a nation, you wake back up and realize, okay, we need to take things seriously like we did before we got rich. Rome now takes things seriously. Rome now sends in a man who knows how to win wars for Rome, a man who has saved Rome before. His name is Gaius Marius. As I've told you before, as much as I hate government schools, I actually won't blame them for this. Your your teacher doesn't have enough hours in the day to teach you all these things. I do a three-hour radio show every day. I'm never going to get to all the history stories I love, ever. They keep me on the radio for 10 years, 20 years. I'll never be able to get to all of them. But Gaius Marius should be a name everybody knows. Everybody knows the name of Julius Caesar. Everyone does. Gaius Marius should be as popular as Julius Caesar. He was the seven-time consul of Rome. General, wiping out huge armies, cool quotes. Gaius Marius was a juggernaut. He just was never really an emperor. So he didn't get all the pub. Gaius Marius comes down. And he decides Rome is going to conduct this war a little differently. They'd previously done the march your large army thing, go try to find a large Numidian army. The Numidians won't ever fight until they're ready to fight. And this was frustrating Rome. Marius goes down, and he's fought these kind of wars before. He says, oh, well, okay, go ahead and retreat. I'll burn your entire country to the ground. And... Now we're getting into really the lesson of our story for the day. I want to ask you something because I want you to picture this. The Numidian army under Jugurtha, they're avoiding Gaius Marius. They don't want to take on this legion, and Gaius Marius isn't like the last guy. He's not going to get cocky and caught out of position. They're avoiding him. Gaius Marius has to win this war. Gaius Marius starts burning every Numidian city he can find to the ground, killing or enslaving the entire population, destroying every bit of their industry he can find. Not even concerned about the army. I mean, he's trying to watch for it, but not my problem. Go ahead, run from me. You'll you'll be an army over nothing but dust by the time I'm done. Let me ask you, was he morally right? Was Gaius Marius morally right? And you have to look at this from two different ways. You have to look at this from a macro level. Sure, you got to win the war, don't you? You got to win the war. You can't lose the war. Okay, well, that that looks great from the macro level, and that's easy to say considering this is over 2,000 years ago. Now, put yourself actually on the ground as the village burns and the child dies. As mom and the daughters get chained off into slavery horror somewhere. Now, was it morally right? And you can't blame him for those individual things like slavery and stuff like that. That was the custom of the time. It's not like he was going to be an anti-slavery crusader. What is morally right when it comes to combat? Combat is the history of the world. War for a country, war against other countries, individual battles, always has been, always will be. What is morally right? 
Total war campaign for Gaius Marius. Total destruction. Jugurtha starts to lose the few friends he has in the area because they're seeing the writing on the wall now. Rome has a real man in charge of things. He is handling his business. And Jugurtha has the bulk of his wealth, the bulk of his treasury. Remember, wars cost money. And when you're Jugurtha and they're wiping out your economic base, your money's disappearing. He keeps the bulk of his money in a mountaintop fort. I'm going to mispronounce it. You're welcome to email me and correct me, but I went to community college. I'm not going to feel bad about it. The mountaintop fort was called Maluka, M-U-L-U-C-C-H-A. It could be Malucha, Malaucha. It could be Tom. I don't know. That's how I pronounce it, the Maluka. There's a Maluka River there, and this fort on top of this hill is called Fort Maluka, at least in my mind. But the problem is, Jugurtha kept his money in Fort Maluka for a reason. You see, it's virtually impossible to take. It would be nature's perfect place to build a fortress. And in the ancient world, they were not stupid. They looked for those types of places. What do I mean by perfect place to build a fortress? Well, one, it's on top of basically a rock mountain. There is one way up, not multiple ways, one way up. You can't, you can't defend it. You can't defend yourself when you're coming up. And there's fresh water inside the fort. There was a mountain spring, which gave them fresh water. Half a siege is getting someone to starve or die of thirst. Jugurtha stocks his treasury in there, stocks food in there, and you have virtually endless supplies of fresh water. And he puts some crack troops in there. Your Gaius Marius, you want this place. You want it bad. You keep setting up some of your normal siege equipment and trying to get it up this one path to the fort. But the fort keeps breaking up your stuff, setting your stuff on fire. You can't get it there. You are at a complete loss if you're Gaius Marius. And this is Gaius Marius. This is not his first battle. He's looking at this place and saying to himself at this point, I think we might have to move on. This place is impregnable. I don't think this place can be taken by any mortal human being. But then you you wake up one morning and something very interesting happens. If you're Gaius Marius, you will enjoy this. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. 
But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Jewish producer Chris wants to know if I ever wanted to be an archaeologist. I will answer that question in just a little bit. We have, well, the U.S. Army halting gender-neutral fitness tests because the women aren't doing as well. Remember, you can find me on social media at DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Locals. Hi, I mean, you follow me on any of them, I don't care. But f- I highly recommend on Locals because that's the one where I won't get banned. Every day now I'm getting messages from people. I can't believe you're not banned yet. How are you not banned? You're going to get banned for this one. Jesse, you can't say that. I am going to get banned. When I get banned from it, Locals is the place I won't get kicked off of. Why? Well, I know the owner. <laughs> and the whole thing is founded on just don't break the law. You post whatever you want here. And I do. Let's finish this up. Gaius Marius, 100 BC-ish. He's at the bottom of Fort Maluka, a rocky fort, one way up. He's getting ready to give up the siege and just move on and go burn other stuff down, even though he really wants Jugurtha's treasury inside. And one day, a man goes out looking for some food. One of the Romans goes out, they're at the base of this thing, and he's looking for snails, edible snails, and he finds some, and finds these snails, and he picks them up, and he looks up above him, and oh man, there's some more snails up there, and he climbs up and grabs some more snails, oh wait, more snails above him, and he climbs up, and he climbs up, and he climbs up. And soon he finds himself at the base of the fort. And he sees a tree right by the base of the fort, a climbable tree. And he climbs it too. The man, the Roman soldier in disbelief, climbed the back cliff by accident and found himself in a tree that overlooked the walls of the city. Clearly smelling a promotion, he goes scrambling right back down the hill and makes a beeline for Gaius Marius' tent and says, "Uh, Boss, I know you're not going to believe this, but here's what I found. Marius licks his chops and comes up with a plan. And the plan went off perfectly. You see, Marius gathered up his troops, put them in formation, put their shields above their heads. I'm sure you've seen this kind of marching in the movies or something like that. 
and had them start marching up that one dangerous path towards the fort, knowing the Numidians would once again beat them back, charge out, and get them. But Marius wasn't only sending the troops up the path. He picked four of his warriors and four of his trumpeteers. They say he picked his most nimble trumpeteers to go back around to the snail cliff and climb their way up, sneak up the cliff, sneak up the tree, all eight of these guys, sneak into the city and hide. Hide for what? Hide for that moment when the Numidian army comes charging out of the fort, which they did, runs into the Romans, which they did, at which point the Roman trumpeteers that have stuck into the back of the fort start blasting their trumpets. The Numidians, completely scared, confused, think a gigantic army got airdropped into their city. They turn around while they're engaged with the Romans, charge back into the city. It's nobody there. It really sucks. We actually don't know what happened to the trumpeteers and the four warriors with them. I wonder if they died. I would assume they did die because the Numidian army would have went running right at them and there would have been no way out, no easy way out of the fort. Nevertheless, the Romans, hot on the Numidian army's heels, charge into the city through the now open gates because they were distracted and take it all. Thus ends the siege of Fort Maluka. Military stuff is funny stuff. Military stuff can be difficult to talk about for a couple different reasons. One, I don't know what this is, but there's something in men, at least American men, the ones I've encountered, who feel this obligation for military service. Not that everyone does it, but I can't count how many dudes I've talked to who haven't done it, who express regret over it. You ask about it, oh, no, I meant to, or I should have, or something like that, which is weird to me. I did it, but I never viewed it as something every guy has to do. But guys who don't do it feel, do you feel that, Chris? You weren't in. Chris, Chris, perfect example. Tried, they wouldn't take him. Just there's something about it. So that, that, that makes it unique. Another thing that makes it unique is it's exclusivity. Why is it so exclusive? Hang on, we'll talk about it. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. 
But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The military is exclusive, should be exclusive. We want it exclusive, right? But why is it exclusive? Because it's about life or death. We all get exclusive about the things that are about life or death, don't we? 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, email your love, your hate, your death threats. Email your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday. I'm going to start sprinkling those in, as you've noticed, more and more throughout the week. I'll start trying to answer one or two throughout the week. All your emails go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them off. I read them. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many. I don't have time. But jesse at jessekellyshow.com and... You can leave us a voicemail if you don't catch us live. We play those two. 877-377-4373. Why is the military exclusive? Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I've got a a staffer or two that wants this question asked of you, and I'm sure they're not alone, which is, when can people plan an indoor wedding? You know, that's a, that's a good question. And I think that's going to be within a reasonable period of time. This you notice year? what the CDC is doing. They gave, uh, excuse me, I didn't hear what this you said. This calendar so, year? What, what time of the year? I, you know, I, I can't give you that exact date because it's going to absolutely depend. And this right. gets back to our a conversation a minute or two ago. It's going to depend on the level of infection in community. If we plateau and stay at 60,000 a day and go up with a peak, I mean, you can make no prediction. If we keep going down and get to a very, very low level, when we're there and we have a good proportion of the people vaccinated, I think you're going to see weddings in the normal way that we've seen it within a reasonable period of time. But there's always the caveat that it's not going to happen if all of a sudden you have a surge. We just have to listen to Dr. Fauci. You know what? I'm not going off on that right now. It's the Jesse Kelly Show. 
877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. Why is your military so exclusive? Because it's life or death. We've given this scenario a hundred times, not that it's a pleasant one to think about, but that's why I bring up this scenario, because it does drive it home. If your child, your husband, your wife needs life-saving brain surgery, do you care about the gender, skin color, religion of the doctor? Do you care this is a look. It's everyone's nodding along there. Well, no, I don't care. I don't care at all. None of that matters to me. I'm a Jew, Gentile, Muslim, a black, white woman. I don't, just get the just get the best, right? What if? What if that doctor is an extremely immoral person? Do you care? Still don't. Do you? Do you? Do you care that he's on his tenth DUI and fifteenth wife? Do you care that he's been embezzling for years? In his spare time, he goes home at night and sends scam emails out to little old ladies to get up their social security checks. I mean, whatever you think of the lowest human being, he's a pimp in the off hours. Whatever you think of the lowest human being in that moment, your child on the operating table, do you care? No, you don't. If he's the best there is, Pull him out of maximum security prison and give him a scalpel. No, you don't. Because when it comes to life and death, which is what the military's about, none of it matters if you don't go on living. Nothing else matters. That's why the military has been and should be so exclusive the only thing that matters is killing them before they can kill you on behalf of your nation, in defense of your nation. Nothing else matters there. That's why it has been when it comes to diversity and all that crap we're supposed to care about now. That's why it's been such a diverse place for so long. That's why I talk about it endlessly. Our infantry platoon. Mexicans, Cubans, Guatemalans, black people, white people, Asians. All of us thrown in there together. All of us making merciless fun of each other's skin color and religion and making every inappropriate joke you could. And we loved each other. If I'm not giving you crap, that's when you should worry. Why could we do that? Why? Because we knew this was about life or death. We had all the diversity we needed because that guy, that guy is the only thing standing between me and death. We already had overcome it. I'm going to say something right now. It's going to sound like I'm being extreme. It's going to be offensive. But I mean it, and I mean it all the way. And I'm not just saying it. I thought about it last night. I thought about it yesterday. What they're doing right now, intentionally weakening weakening the United States military in the name of diversity, is high treason. I don't care that it's coming from the generals themselves. 
I don't care this stuff starts in the Pentagon. I don't care that this stuff starts in the office of the President of the United States of America. If you are changing the test scores of the United States military, changing entrance requirements of the United States military, so we can allow weaker human beings, no matter their gender, into it, that is high treason. I don't care how nice it sounds. If you're looking at this beautiful country, the United States of America, and you decide, you know, our military needs to be weaker. That's treason. That is. We can squabble about a million and one political issues. That's treason. This is from nzherald.co.nz. U.S. Army considering scrapping its new gender-neutral fitness test because women have been failing in much longer numbers, much larger numbers than men. Research shows the Army Combat Fitness Test, the ACFT, which is the same for male and female soldiers, was leading to lower results for women with a knock-on effect for promotions. Oh, gee, imagine that. An early Pentagon study showed women were failing the ACFT at a rate of 65% compared to 10% for men. The test includes six events, maximum deadlift, standing power throw, hand release push-ups, a sprint, dragon carried, leg tuck, and a two-mile run. Women failing it at 65%, men failing it at 10 Could it be? Could it be that women aren't as physically strong as men? <gasps> no. Uh, well, hey, don't look at me, Chris. I've been, what have I been told? What, what is that phrase? I've been told it about 10,000 times in the past year. F- f- starts with a F. Oh, follow the science. That's it. Am I allowed to follow the science? Because I would love to, let's follow some science. Let's talk about hips, how the different genders' hips are built, how the different genders' shoulders are built. Let's talk about muscle mass. The truth is, it turns out God knew what he was doing when he made the human body. He knew men were going to have to uh, protect societies, and he built them for combat. He did not build women for combat, and there's nothing wrong with that. We are not all equal. We are not all the same. Nobody's equal. This notion of equality is absurd. Some people are bigger, stronger, faster than others. Some are smarter. Some are dumber. Some are better artists. Some are better builders. There is no such thing as equality. It's ridiculous. And this is simply a tool of the cultural Marxist to destroy something else. Remember we talked, I think it was maybe Thursday, we did Mao's cultural revolution where Mao attacked the four olds in Chinese society. It doesn't matter what the olds were. It doesn't matter. You can go back and listen to the show. But he was going through and he was, I mean, it almost seemed nonsensical looking at it from the outside looking in. He was tearing down all the religions, Christians, Christian churches, Taoist stuff, no matter what the religion was, Mao would rip it apart, kill the priests, imprison them. He would do this to all the historical sites, too. Why? Would, why? It seems so personal. He's going after everything that's sacred to us. Do you know why they went after your military? 
Do you really want to know why? I'll tell you. Jake's Mint Chew helps you quit dipping tobacco. And maybe it's not you we're talking about here. Maybe you have a father, brother, son, just a friend, somebody who dips tobacco. You'd like them to quit because let's be honest, we all know we should quit such things, but you don't know how. And it doesn't do any good to point fingers at someone and say, you need to quit. That, that's, that's not helpful. Give somebody a way out. Help somebody out. Jake'sMintChew.com and pick out a flavor. Pick out two flavors. Pick out their CBD pouches. Those really help take the edge off and buy them for that friend or relative you want to quit. Jake'sMintChew.com. That's Jake'sMintChew.com. Use the promo code JESSE, J-E-S-S-E, that gets you 20% off. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. said before in our understanding of the policy it's just guidance that these migrants who test positive many of them are instructed you should go and quarantine and isolate do you know does the administration know how many actually do versus how many actually just go off to wherever well i I just wanted to convey because i know you're asking a good question here that's the very specific processes that are taken for each scenario um and certainly there are um you know with these with the individuals who are coming across alternatives who are treated with uh, again noted sometimes ankle bracelets as they come across (laughs) they never answer the question what does that even mean we got michael malice who everybody loves coming up in 10 minutes. I take that back. Like half America hates his guts. The other half knows he's interesting. Malice is always interesting. He always has something to say. And to his credit, full disclosure here, I do things a little differently on this show, as you may have noticed. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I do things differently. When it comes to guests I invite on and when I'm being a guest, I, for a long time, was invited onto shows as a guest before I got too busy to do very much of that anymore. And almost always, the producer of the show would email me things we're going to talk about on the show. And then sometimes they would take the extra step. This still happens on occasion. They'll email me the things we're going to talk about on the show, and they'll ask for me to say some basic thoughts I have on them before the interview. Like this this takes place over email. I've always been so aggravated by that. The initial email, maybe I can understand, but hold on. Now I have to type it out for you and then say it on camera? What? But in their defense... What they're trying to do is gather some, if it's for TV, gather maybe some visual elements for it. If we're talking about Dr. Fauci and 
and I'm going to call him a bridge troll, and not that I would ever do that. They would get a bridge troll picture ready so they can throw it on the screen when I'm talking. Something like that. You know what I mean? I get, And so most people who are guests on radio and TV are used to that. I don't like to prep. I don't do it. Just ask me something. I'll come up with something. And I don't prepare my guests at all. Uh, 99% of them, uh, most of them are my friends now. They'll even text me and say, do you have any idea what we're talking about? And almost always, I'm like, no clue. We'll figure it out. It drives so many people crazy because people like to, people like to prepare. I, I like to hear what people say off the top of their head. I want to hear what people say on the fly. One of the reasons malice is so good, even though obviously we disagree on some stuff, he never knows what we're talking about. He always has something interesting to say. No, no I could bring up anything. I, I've, you've heard me bring up wild stuff with malice. He nails it every time. All right. Why did they go after the military? I want you to understand. If it feels like everything you hold dear is being attacked, that's because it is. They went after the military for the same reason they went after your church, for the same reason Mao went around and tore down his country's historical sites and religious institutions. Communists don't accidentally go after what's sacred to you. They go after what's sacred to you on purpose. On purpose. No, they're not doing it just to be mean either, although communists obviously are quite mean. That's not what they're doing. They're doing it for the same reason historical conquerors have destroyed the religion of the people they've conquered a thousand times over. They knew, they know, the things you love, the traditional things you cling to, you will stay a hold of them and never fully submit to communism until they destroy them. That's why they go after what's sacred to you. They do it specifically so you won't have any mooring anymore. You won't have any kind of an anchor anymore. You don't have this you identify your country with and that you identify your country with. They wreck it all on purpose so then they can be your God. Remember, communists are not atheists. They have a religion. It is communism. They are devout about it, just as devout as you are about yours. History says they are. They will die for it. They are more than happy to kill for it. If it seems like your military is now overrun with social justice warrior cultural Marxists, and it is, that's on purpose. They did that on purpose. We had Tucker Carlson. I believe it was last week. Obviously, Fox News host Tucker Carlson. I've been on his show a bunch. I love Tucker. Gets on. Says negative things about 
women in the military, pregnant, I'm not going to go into it, they overblew what he said so much, but said basic facts, basic practical things. And since that moment, we have had official United States Marine Corps social media accounts blasting him. We've had command sergeant majors blasting him. We've had generals, multiple generals, publicly, publicly blasting a cable news host. Pause for a moment and imagine any one of those generals attacking a left-wing person publicly for something. By the way, we do have his response, and might as well play it. Well, it was quite an experience yesterday being the very first target in the Pentagon's new Operation Silence the Talk Show hosts. Friends called us in concern. Are you guys all right? And for a minute, we'll concede we were almost rattled. Then we realized if the woke generals treat us like they've treated the Taliban, we'll be fine. 20 years later, the Taliban are still here. Maybe we ought to promise the Pentagon that we'll get rid of traditional gender roles on this show, change the pronouns, defeat the patriarchy, and all that. Then they'd send us billions in unmarked $100 bills as a reward. They've certainly done that before. And that might really kickstart our struggling opium poppy business. Something to think about. Anyway, we're fine. So thank you for the concern. Ooh, Tucker Carlson, my word, there are women and children watching this show. That kind of violence should not be done on television. But seriously, try to imagine a general blasting away at some left-wing cable news host in uniform. How frightening is it that the system has been so overrun Without a second thought, they felt comfortable going to their Twitter accounts, putting up videos. Ah, uh, women are the best. Ah, uh, there's nothing wrong. Ah, uh, women, women. It's frightening not what happened. It's frightening how comfortable they are with it. They went after your military on purpose. Barack Obama really pushed this way, way, way forward faster than anyone gave him credit for. And Donald Trump didn't do anything about it. He, he was just never never aware enough of it. I think towards the end he was, but he was never aware enough of it. There has to be a wholesale change in the military. But how far are we away from that? A long, long ways. They went after your church on purpose. They went after your military on purpose. Whatever else you can think of that's special to you, they will go after that too. That's what communists do. We're going to talk to Michael Malice about it. Hang on. Super Beats heart shoes do not taste like beets. And of all the great things I can say about Super Beats, that might be the best. Because, look, as soon as, as soon as a buddy told me about Super Beats, I told him, now, I can't even stand the smell of beets. You expect me to eat something every single day that tastes like beets? And he swore up and down, no, they don't taste like beets. They don't taste like beets. They don't taste anything like beets. I eat the pomegranate berry flavor. I would 
highly recommend you also try Super Grapes because it's very, very good. But it's all natural. There's no pills. And it doesn't taste like beets. And the time to take care of your heart and your blood pressure is before you're laying in a hospital bed. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags. Get the third for free. Joining me now, Michael Malice, host of Your Welcome. Like I said, maybe the most interesting guy in this entire space out there. Michael, I've said <laughs> when people when people get mad about what they did to the military and they get mad about what they do to the churches and stuff like that, people have to understand these people go after things a country holds sacred on purpose. They're not stumbling into the things you love. They go after them on purpose. Well, I, that sounds like you're endorsing them, right? There's a lot of things that, that this country holds sacred that they shouldn't, like Washington, uh, like the media, uh, teachers, the police. I mean, certain holidays, Flag Day. What is this? I mean, the flag should be every day, right? Hold on, I mean, hold on. What's wrong with George Washington? Don't you dare. He was a, he was a beta. He raised someone else's kids. Uh, and he couldn't reproduce. He was sterile. That's, that's, that's not it? his fault. That's not his well, probably it was probably a war wound. It was listen, that guy was I'm sure getting I don't even want to get into euphemisms, but he was a stud. He was like a giant for his time and he has no kids. That's something that's against him. <laughs> Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're so and he also ridiculous. The, and he also here's something else. He trusted the doctors a little too much and they killed him. It, there was the first Fauci back then. They said, oh, let's just put leeches on him. We'll just take all the blood out of you. And now he's in a coffin. Well, I guess none of us get out alive. All right. Well, yeah. yeah. Where do we go from here when it comes to— And here's to- another one. He had Jefferson in his cabinet, and Jefferson was a snake. <laughs> the entire time, Jefferson was leaking all the inside information about what Washington was doing to the press because he was a total uh, a phony. You, this anti-George Washington bias will not stand on this, no, this show. Is, you asked. I, I'm not anti-George Washington. I'm anti-Jefferson. I'm a Hamiltonian. <laughs> You're crazy. Jefferson was a genius. He was a fascinating human being. So was Woodrow Wilson. <laughs> you know, all right. All right. That's fair. Um, yeah. When does it end for the military? Does it end? How does it end? Um, I think this is kind of crossing a Rubicon. Uh, for them to be, I, I know they got a lot of pushback in Washington. Because here's the thing, and uh, we could say what we want: Republicans, Democrats. There, and Biden is kind of the king of this. There are a lot of unspoken rules in Washington about things you just don't do. And when people do cross those lines, we see both parties sometimes tend to kind of coalesce and be like, "No, no, no we're not having this." We saw it, for example, last year when I think it was 49 attorneys general decide to sue uh, Facebook, and that's covering a huge percentage of the population, obviously, and and many political views. So I don't know where this is going, but you and I should be happy that we are kind of exposing uh, to what extent this sort of ideology has penetrated um, 
uh, areas of our country and our society that we had thought had been beyond ideology. And you have been yelling about this. I've been yelling about this for a long time, that this is kind of an infection that has, you know, taken over lots of establishments, but because most people's information is processed necessarily through the media or through movies and television shows, they would have no idea what things are actually like in practice. And now that kind of mask is being lifted, I believe. You know, when you say this, and I've always loved this perspective because it really does put a positive spin on things, that, that the corporate press is being exposed, that, that these people are being exposed how confident are we they're being exposed to enough people, though? You're always going to be in the know. You're going to know the latest thing that's out there, but you don't decide how the country goes. Neither do I. We need the masses to know. Do they know? The masses have never decided anything. I, I mean, the, the same masses, if you put them in you know, Iran, they'd be moderate to hardcore Muslims. You put them in China, they'd be members of the CCP or aspiring to be members of the CCP. The masses are always going to follow whoever's in charge. It's a question of who the elites are and who has power. And they were just going to follow power because all they could bring to the table is submission and obedience in exchange for security. So this is very healthy because we do not have, probably for the first time since at least FDR, if not Wilson, I'm not a coherent elite. Uh, there is an, enough of a, a dissonance between the elites with each other and the elites and the general population um, because there's rival uh, elites that there is going to be hope to take down this whole um, you know, corrupt edifice that's been built for over 100 years. You've been saying from the beginning, so have I, that Cuomo's not going down for this stuff. You're a New Yorker. It's not getting better. We now have U.S. senators like Schumer calling for him to go. I still say he doesn't go, but I'm not quite as confident as I was before. Where are you? Oh, I, I think he's done. I, I, I don't. I had Justin Amash, former congressman, on my show, and he basically pointed out, like, look, you know, he left the Republican Party, uh, but he had been kind of a maverick Republican towards the end. And he goes, once you go against the party, you, you really don't have any opportunities because they keep you away from lobbyists. Uh, you know, they keep you away from being able to vote. You know, when you have let's look at who crossed Cuomo now. You have the mayor of New York City. You have the Senate majority leader. You have Hillary Clinton. You have AOC, both senators from New York. I, I don't see. First of all, there's no, I don't see any path to him really being reelected next year. And I think they're very much clearing the path for two people. One, for Kamala Harris not to have any rivals for the presidency in 2024. And Tish James, who is a hard left rising star within the Democratic Party and attorney general. She had a big upset election uh, last time around. They're clearing the path for her. She's the other one who went against Cuomo, attorney general. So I don't see a path for him forward. And I would love to hear another perspective. I'd love to hear your perspective on why you think Kamala Harris is going to run unopposed. You think that you think she will? I mean, I realize the Democratic Party keeps a stronger hand on on their party than other parties do, but there's still some young, ambitious hotshot out there who's going to make a run at it, right? That's just human nature. Sure, they will, but I think it's going to look a lot like 2016 when Debbie Watsman Schultz and other DNC operatives did everything in their power to drag the, the mummy of Hillary Clinton across the finish line, and Bernie still ended up almost beating her. So if you have a woman who is a minority, who's sitting vice president, uh, who's also mixed race, uh, they're really going, this is their dream that she checks off a lot of boxes and who plays by the rules. 
She's very obedient to the Democratic establishment, will do and say whatever she's told. When you have that, that's really kind of your dream candidate. So they're going to use a lot of look, – look how well they did to make sure everyone fell in line behind Biden for Super Tuesday. So if you have someone who's a sitting president, uh, they're really going to have a lot of clout to make sure everyone you know, falls in line. Look at what's happening in California right now. Uh, Gavin Newsom possibly recalled. When you vote for the recall, you also have to vote for who would you want to be his replacement. And no Democrat is daring to compete with him to be that plan B. These party establishments, we're never going to see a viable third party of any kind, right? Or I shouldn't say never because history says we will, but that's years and years away, right? No, we had that. Donald Trump was a third party candidate who sees the Republican uh, establishment's apparatus and became president. He had no loyalty or any particular history with the Republican Party. So the best way for a third-party candidate to do things, Teddy Roosevelt's another one, basically. He wasn't really a Republican in the sense of McKinley. Uh, you just basically step in and seize what's there. And Bernie Sanders is another one. He was never elected as a Democrat. So you step in and basically you take the house they've built and take it over. Uh, and both parties are now weak enough that there's a real possibility for that. Michael Malice, host of your welcome. Hurry up with this book, your your anarchist stuff. I'm, I'm going to see if you Next can't month. win me over. Next month. Talk soon, buddy. See you, bud. Always has something to say. Doesn't like George Washington. What a weirdo, Chris. What a weirdo. Remember, you can get the whole show podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Leave a review. Talking about how handsome I am and a five-star rating. This one's called History Lessons Are Awesome. I turned my 14-year-old son onto your podcast by just listening to the history lessons. He likes to hear about history not being taught in public school or not being done justice. Keep it up and great job. One says, this one's titled, Read This Review. (laughs) You know what? We may have to go ahead and read that one. And it's Medal of Honor Monday time next where we honor one of our legends. Hang on. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn, but not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. I'm also on Locals. That's the one I can't be kicked off of. We still have Medal of Honor Monday, which we're about to get to in a second. We need more five-star ratings and reviews talking about my handsomeness. This one says, what does one say about Jesse Sally Kelly? I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Men want him and women want to be him. Jesse is a remarkable orthodontist of a man. This is very odd, Chris. I don't even know what any of this means. His history knowledge is only second to his powers as an oracle. So on and so on. That one kind of got weird. All right. Now, as you know, I'm a bad person. I'm getting ready to start offending sports parents here in a second. I'm going to offend you. Sorry. it's We got to have a frank discussion. But before that... It is time we honor a hero every single Monday. The only good and decent and right thing we do on this show. Every single Monday, we take a Medal of Honor citation and we read it. We read it because these men deserve to have themselves remembered. Their deeds must be remembered. And unless we read them, not just know they're there, unless we read them, we don't remember them. One of the most beautiful things about history the old ones, before there was writing, you, you, you find out how important oral history is. It's telling stories. Tell the story of something. Well, here is the story of one Mr. Robert J. Miller. U.S. Army, January 25th, 2008. Staff Sergeant Robert J. Miller distinguished himself by extraordinary acts of heroism while serving as the weapons sergeant in Special Forces Operation Detachment Alpha 3312, Special Operations Task Force 33. Combined Joint Special Operations Task Force Afghanistan during combat operations against an armed enemy in Konar Province, Afghanistan on January 25, 2008. While conducting a combat reconnaissance patrol through the Gowardesh Valley, Staff Sergeant Miller and his small element of U.S. and Afghan National Army soldiers engaged a force of 15 to 20 insurgents occupying prepared fighting positions. Staff Sergeant Miller initiated the assault by engaging the enemy positions with his vehicle's turret-mounted Mark 19 40mm automatic grenade launcher while simultaneously providing detailed descriptions of the enemy positions to his command, enabling effective, accurate, close-air support. Following the engagement, Staff Sergeant Miller led a small squad forward to conduct a battle battle damage assessment. As the group neared the small, steep, narrow valley that the enemy had inhabited, a large, well-coordinated insurgent force initiated an ambush, assaulting from elevated positions with ample cover. Exposed and with little available cover, the patrol was totally vulnerable to enemy rocket-propelled grenades and automatic weapon fire. As point man, Staff Sergeant Miller was at the front of the patrol, cut off from supporting elements and less than 20 meters from enemy forces. Nonetheless, with total disregard for his own safety, he called for his men to quickly move back to covered positions as he charged the enemy over exposed ground while under overwhelming enemy fire in order to provide protective fire for his team. While maneuvering to engage the enemy, Staff Sergeant Miller was shot in his upper torso. Ignoring the wound, he continued to push the fight, moving to draw fire from over 100 enemy fighters upon himself. 
He then again charged forward through an open area in order to allow his teammates to safely reach cover. After killing at least 10 insurgents, wounding dozens more, and repeatedly exposing himself to withering enemy fire while moving from position to position, Staff Sergeant Miller was mortally wounded by enemy fire. His extraordinary valor ultimately saved the lives of seven members of his own team and 15 Afghanistan National Army soldiers. Staff Sergeant Miller's heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty and at the cost of his own life are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself and the United States Army. That's a full-grown man right there, ladies and gentlemen. That is... uh, that is stout. Chris, I had initially thought we were going to talk about Oregon. There's a headline here. Oregon eyes giving $123,000 to black residents who can prove ancestral slavery. And then I thought to myself, no, we have bigger fish to fry in this country. It's not reparations fish to fry. It is time we had a long chat about youth sports, and more specifically, the parents of youth sports. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, email your love, your hate, your death threats, email your Ask Dr. Jesse questions for Friday. They do not get lost if you send them in on a Monday. When they pop into your head, send them in. They all go right to Jewish, Jewish producer Chris. He gets them to me. Sports parents, buckle up. Time to be offended. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Jewish producer Chris is trying to distract me right now. Wanted to know... Really wants to know if I ever thought about being an archaeologist. I'm getting ready to go off on sports parents. 
He's trying to distract me, but as everybody knows, I am laser-focused at all times. You're never going to catch me in the middle of a story stopping and going to talk about something else. That's just not something I would ever do. What, Chris? Sometimes you derail the show. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. The wife was watching a documentary over the weekend about parents, gymnastics parents, sports parents in general. And I was watching just a little bit with her. It's not good. It's not really my thing. Then I went back to war documentaries and such. But, man, something did occur to me. I'm going to tell you what that is. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. We have here on the world-famous Jesse Kelly Show. We have Emerald Robinson, White House reporter. Emerald Robinson with Newsmax coming up in 30 minutes. Jen Saki, Remember, Emerald Robinson was the one last time giving us the juicy Washington insider tidbits. Remember, what, remember that knowledge bomb Emerald dropped on this show that went everywhere? She said, the rumor in D.C. is... It's not that Jen Psaki is an idiot. It's that Jen Psaki, the press secretary, is not given access to Joe Biden. He's in such bad shape. His press secretary doesn't have access to him, therefore seems completely lost Whatever she has to answer something for. Well, uh, I don't know. Uh, let's circle back on that. I'm not. All right. It's time for a chat. PA. That's Pennsylvania for you who didn't go to community college. PA mom sent deep fakes of daughter's cheerleading rivals to coaches. Raffaella Spone, a Spone maybe, it's got to be Spone, definitely an Italian would pull this, Chris, was charged with cyber harassment of a child and stands accused of creating completely false snaps. A Pennsylvania mom allegedly made illicit fake videos of her daughter's cheerleading rivals and sent them to their coaches in a bid to get the kids kicked off the team. 
The false images, which are so expertly manipulated, they're known as deep fakes, were also sent to at least three girls on the Victory Vipers cheerleading team with messages urging the youngsters to commit suicide, the Philadelphia Inquirer reported. Raffaella Spone, 50, 50 years old, was, was, was charged with cyber harassment of a child, stands accused of blah, 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 blah. Parents, this can be difficult to hear. I know we all want the best for our kids. We want our children, if you're any kind of a parent worth your salt at all, to be ambitious, hardworking, play hard, go out there, win, step You're all way too into youth sports and it turns you into a bad human being. I am, I, I'm surrounded by relatively polite people. I'm in the Texas suburbs. Obviously, there are rude people everywhere. It's, it's fine. But it's not like Texas is, there aren't any rude people here. But in general, because I choose to live where I live, you generally live where you live on purpose. I'm surrounded by relatively polite people. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Hold the door open for you. A smile, a wave driving down the road, that kind of thing. I go to youth sports events, both for my sons or for, you know, the neighbor's kids having a game or something like that. And I watch these normally polite, well-mannered, successful people turn into absolute monsters over their children, their children's games, the opposing team, the same team, the referees, the coaches, screaming at this, screaming at the opposing players, screaming at the coach. It's youth sports. It's a part of your child's life. It's not all of their life. What What memories do you want your child to take away from their youth sports experience? I know you think little Braden is going to go play professional baseball. I get it. I get it. But he's not. What, What memory of you do you want them to take from those games? Do you want them to say, dad challenged me, challenged me to work hard, win, but was always there with a pat on the back at the end of the game, encouraging me, made me feel good, made me enjoy it? Or do you want do you want that child? Because that child's going to grow up and keep these memories. When he's 30, 40, 50 years old, to talk about, oh, gosh, dad used to scream at the umpire every single baseball game. I heard him, I heard him say and tell the umpire, F you, one time. I actually remember the time my dad got in a fist fight at the game with one of the opposing fathers on the other. Do you want your child to go into adulthood with those memories of you? How utterly embarrassing. How utterly embarrassing. Your child is a unique person, going to have their own life. They can't be there to live out the sports dream that never happened for you. Nor is it the end of the world that they do so. And I'm not excusing myself 
from those kinds of ambitions for my kids. My sons are both tall. My oldest, especially not my youngest so much, but my oldest is an athletic freak. Freak. He runs fast. He jumps big feet, big hands, absurd hand-eye coordination. He's 12. You throw him a baseball, he'll catch it without a glove one-handed and rocket it back at you. No interest in sports at all. Wants to go play play Legos or draw. Of course I want to be at, I want to be at a basketball game with him dropping 30 on somebody. Of course I do. And we make them play sports like we make them play basketball and they're just terrible. Just terrible. I mean both of them too. And I've worked with them but they're not really into that either. And this weekend take them out to get haircuts. We drive by all the sporting goods stores. Dad, I'd like to go in and get a hockey stick or a football. Nothing. We drive by a rare books store. Can we please go in? Can we please go in? I parked the truck, bring the boys in the store. Yeah, I came home with bags of books. My son sat down and read the rest of the day. Obviously, we encourage reading. There's no question we encourage reading. It's great for them. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm, when I said all that stuff about sports events, I want you to know I'm there. When I take my kid to the game, you know what I'm thinking? Oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't suck as bad as last time. I hope they don't get blown out again this time. I'm not saying that to him. I'm patting him on the back, work hard, listen to your coach, run up and down the court, let's go, let's get it done. So I get it. I get you wanting to – I do get it. And like I said, I don't have a couple athletes. ain't never going to happen for my boys. Freaking nerds. I'm kidding. Stop. Stop. It ain't never got for my boys. Look, I was certainly no athlete either. I played baseball for about 10 years, basketball for 10, 15 years, but it's, I was never really that into it. Glad I did it, but that's it. I just want you to walk away with this. It's not that you shouldn't be ambitious on behalf of your kids, but that ambition can really, really, really make you do terrible things. The stories behind sports like gymnastics where these girls get abused and oftentimes the parents are aware of it and don't do anything about it. Why? Oh, might, might hurt her standing with the coach. Better to keep things quiet. How twisted, how twisted is your mind? You've gotten it wrong. The child is going to grow up into an adult. They're not going to do whatever young Aiden's doing today. They are, however, going to carry the memory of how mom and dad conducted themselves at the sports games with them for the rest of their lives. So act like it, please. You're embarrassing yourself. Gosh. We have to get to this email about running for office. Hang on. Stocky. Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. 
I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We got Emerald Robinson still coming up in 10 minutes. White House reporter. What's the new juicy rumor she's going to give us today about D.C.? <laughs> Inside baseball stuff, Chris. Inside baseball stuff. Dr. Jesse McSteel, Shogun of Bozeman. Shut up, Chris. Greetings. I live in the suburbs of a large American city. I've also been practicing county level. I've been a, been a practicing county level government attorney for about four years. Three three of those years, I spent working in the city and was surrounded on all sides by woke people. Last March, I took a job ninety minutes from my home in a much much more rural county. I do the same work, but I'm the only full time attorney here. It's much more peaceful, not having to work with socialists. The commute can be rough, but it gives me time to decompress and take in your podcast. I want to run for state Senate. My suburb is a competitive district that flipped Democrat in the last election. However, my local Republican committee seems ill-equipped to help my, help my campaign off the ground, and the larger county-level GOP types have largely ignored me. A state GOP rep said that this is a $2 million race. My question is, How do I get my campaign up and running? My professional circle disagrees with me politically, and I'm sure the state GOP is dead set on throwing its weight behind a useless establishment candidate. I feel like I have the credentials, and this will be a good year to run, but initiating any sort of start seems impossible. Keep up the good fight. It's not impossible. It seems impossible because each and every one of those entities you mentioned Wants you to think it's impossible. Let's address your local GOP. And maybe, maybe there are people listening to my voice right now who have a good local GOP. But you see things like Republican Party, local Republican Party headquarters, and you think to yourself, there must be seasoned professionals that work in there. Ambitious, ready to take the country back. It's two or three bored political hacks that lost a couple state rep races 10 years ago. Who cares what they say? When you walk into that Republican Party headquarters next time, I made the mistake you made. That's why, I, that's why I'm telling you this. I did the same thing when I ran for Congress. I want to run. I want to run. And I was blown away. I walked out at the uselessness of it. Next time you walk in there, you walk in there for information purposes only. 
When and where are the local precinct committee meetings? You have different precincts in your area. They meet. They will be small little meetings in some jerkwater conference room somewhere with bad coffee and stale donuts. That's where you begin. When you show up at these committee meetings, because they're small events, they'll go over some official things. Then they will undoubtedly open up the floor. This is your moment. You go to each and every one of these meetings, and you have a two-minute, not ten, nobody wants to hear you talk, a two-minute political speech that you've practiced over and over and over again so it sounds natural, and you tell them, I'm running. Not, I'm thinking about running, I might run, I'm testing the waters, I'm running, period. Get behind me. You, with whatever your message is, and I don't know what it, what it is, you will get the people on your staff organically. You don't have to find them. People who believe what you believe and are down with your cause will come to you. I know because this happened to me. I didn't have some list of operatives I knew. I didn't know anything about politics. I eventually just had people who were all in. And I had a small campaign of true believers. That's what I had. That state rep who told you it's a $2 million race, yet another loser who either wants the seat for himself or thinks there's some specific checklist of how to win political races. Well, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You'll definitely need $2 million and, and 24 political endorsements. Of, oh, shut up. Go out there. Get your message out there. Start raising some money. As you raise your money, do not burn through it. They have something called a burn rate, how much you churn through your money. My campaigns were famously lean. Don't blow your money on staffers and things like that. You eventually have to pay some staffers if it gets big enough. You run a lean campaign. No, you don't need an office. Run it out of your living room. It doesn't cost you a dime. You'll be sending out mailers to people, introducing yourself to them. Don't listen to anyone who tells you $2 million race, oh, this, oh, we can't do that. Screw all of them. And you, you know what? You're not only going to the precinct committee meetings, you're going to any place people are gathered. If there's a book club that meets on Saturday mornings at Denny's, you're there. If there's a Lions Club meeting, you're there. Rotary Club, you're there. Wherever people gather, you go there, hand out your cards, don't be obnoxious, tell people you're running and why you're running, and let it happen. Go. And guess what? I lost two of them. Big congressional races that went national. You might lose. I don't regret running for a half a second. It was the right thing to do. I believed in it. I haven't done very many good things in my life. I've done a lot of bad ones. That was one of the good ones. I did it right. Don't regret it for a second. You go run. It's the right thing to do. Jesse, somebody needs to say it, so it might as well be me. If Republicans would stand their ground and fight like Cuomo instead of caving and apologizing, we might not be in the situation we're in, which is pretty dire. No, I'm not excusing Cuomo. He's depraved, but he knows how to fight. You are still the hoat. <laughs> handsomest of all time. <laughs> she says I can use her name. Vicki Paulson. Well, thank you, Vicki. Well, it's true. How many times have we brought up that Nancy Pelosi press conference she gave 
after the salon thing. Maybe she got busted in the salon when no one else was allowed and won no mask. Walking around the salon, telling everybody, wear a mask. She gets busted on camera. There's no no excusing it, right? Pelosi gets up. Oh, yeah, I'm I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of falling for a setup. It was obviously a setup at that salon, and that the salon owner had to leave town. That makes you uncomfortable because it's it's against your moral grain. You say you're wrong. You're supposed to confess your sin and admit you're wrong and apologize. It's a, you need to start separating that stuff from the political world. This is combat here. Save your apologies for the people you owe them to. I've never understood, as you know, I don't apologize anyway for anything. I've never understood the public apology, though. Who are you apologizing to? Apologize to the per- the person you wronged and called a, I'm sorry about that hit and run. I was hammer housed and ran that dude over. Glad to hear he's doing well. Why are you saying that at a press conference? Go to the hospital and say, I'm sorry. That's the person you're owed an apology to. His family. Him. I don't need an apology from you. I think you're all scumbags. Dear Shogun. You did it. You finally offended me. Regifting you cheap, cheap blank. Jewish producer Chris, please educate this man. Okay, hold on. Regifting is perfectly natural. If there's a gift my kids aren't going to use, and everybody has a you know what? I I'm I'm call I'm laying down my marker, pal. I say you don't have kids yet because once you have kids, you'll find out you get sucked into 95 kids' birthday parties a year. Not that I'm ever going to go to that sort of thing unless it's at a place like Dave and Buster's where I can drink beer and play games. But you get sucked into a 1,000 of those, and that gets expensive. You got to buy a new gift for everyone. No, not in the Kelly household. Back to the re-gift pile. What did the kids get last Christmas? Hey, Dad, I recognize that. Not anymore, son. Ha ha ha! Emerald Robinson with some juicy Washington gossip. Hang on. I love dipping tobacco. It's not even that I loved it. I love it. I still think about it sometimes. I was never one of these guys. I dipped for years, and I was never one of these guys that took one out and said, oh, man, I hate that. I wish I could quit. I can't stand it. I never got to that point. I just got to the point where I thought to myself, okay, this is bad. You have to stop. It's bad. It's bad for you. But when you're someone who loves it, how do you stop? And it's, it's, you've always been doing it for years, right? How do you stop? You just need something to transition you off it. That's Jake's Mint Chew. And Jake's Mint Chew has tons of different flavors. In Long Cut, they even have, highly recommend this, the CBD pouches that really take the edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 20% off.
I love when Emerald Robinson comes on. It's not just for the Tennessee accent, Chris. It's because she has the best juicy Washington insider stuff last time. Joining me now, White House reporter for Newsmax, <laughs> Emerald Robinson. Emerald, you dropped the bomb on us last time that Jen Psaki doesn't even get to talk to Joe Biden. What's the what's the new gossip? Very rarely. I mean, it's very rare. That's still sort of the revelation that many here in D.C. are coming to. They're also coming to the revelation that um, Joe Biden after the speech last week regarding um, the COVID crisis, his first address, mm-hmm. a lot of people realized how little involved he is. And there's a lot of talk about who's actually running things here in D.C., you know, at the White House. And I think Susan Rice plays a huge part of that. Okay, There are people, people who aren't heavily politically involved don't understand this Susan Rice thing, because you're the third person who's told me this now that she's the one. Oh, really? Who is Susan Rice? Describe it for us. Well, look, she's right now she's the director of the Domestic Policy Council. So that puts her in the executive office building uh, just beside uh, the White House. But it's also a very powerful office. And looking at domestic issues, it gives her access to anyone in the White House com- uh, complex and the executive office building. So essentially the, uh, the, the administration as a whole, she's a former national security advisor for former President Barack Obama. And look, she's still very tied to Obama. There's still the Susan Rice, Barack Obama, Valerie Jarrett triangle. Okay. And so what we're seeing a lot of is really what Obama wanted to do, but the lay of the land wasn't such that you could be so progressive during his first two terms. And we're seeing really the third term of Barack Obama. How radical is she? Extremely. And we're seeing that. Like, it doesn't get a lot of coverage in the mainstream media. I actually was on a panel with a gentleman today from, you know, a well-known publication who said, oh, my conservative friends are so glad that it's it's kind of boring and calm right now and Joe Biden's just boring. I'm like, who are your conservative friends? Because conservatives I speak to do not feel that this is a boring time. There's a lot happening. Maybe the mainstream media is now singly covering the immigration issue, which is an improvement. Um, but there is so much going on behind the scenes. They're pushing fast and hard with a, with a progressive agenda, and they're taking advantage of the fact that they do have, even though it's a slim majority, they have complete control of the government. And they're going to see how much they can get done and how progressive they can be. And we're seeing that. I think it was a real eye-opener for a lot of Americans over the last week when we saw the politicization of the military on full display, going after Tucker Carlson. And all of a sudden, remember the Hatch Act? Mm-hmm. They constantly were yelling at Kellyanne Conway and and uh, Kaylee McEnany over the Hatch Act, saying they violated it in their official capacity. They were campaigning or or pushing a, politi- uh, a political agenda. And then all of a sudden, the Hatch Act isn't being mentioned now that we have uh, major, you know, high-ranking officials in the military yeah. pushing a political agenda. It's funny I, about I, I, that. Uh, yeah. What is what is is the D.C. press? I know they're all hackish commies. I, I understand that. Are they getting <laughs> tired of the lack of access to Joe? Though yes. is there is there some animosity there? It's I I was very curious if it would happen, and it's actually happened more quickly than I expected, Jesse. 
we knew they weren't going to be transparent, mm -hmm. but they had worked so hard to help get Joe Biden in the office by not covering the Hunter Biden scandal, uh, refusing to cover a lot of other scandals related to Joe Biden. They refused to cover his gaffes, his clear, clear uh, cognitive issues. And then now we're not even, you know, the first hundred days in and they are upset. They're, they have no transparency. They, they're not. What I've noticed, too, is this White House doesn't leak the way the Trump administration did. They're definitely much more loyal to their cause. And so the press is real. They, they just have they have no access, really. And it is bothering them. And then there's not these big press conferences where they can showboat either. Right. So there's not these presidential press conferences where they can get on TV and uh and and show off so that bothers them as well yeah they want to be stars they want to be celebrities and now they just have mm -hmm. to sit there and shut up who was who or how many people were the issue in trump's administration this was a real source of frustration <laughs> for me he could never pack himself with anybody at all loyal to him i is there i i mean what you're allowed who to tell me it? who was it like who was it mm -hmm. Uh, leaking or sort of an issue. Look, as you said, and we've talked about many times, they staffed up badly from the get-go. And that started in the transition. Even before he got into office, or before he officially took over the White House, staffing up was an issue. And, um, I mean, we know that his son-in-law is not, Derek Kushner, is not always in line, rarely in line with the America First agenda. That was a problem. Um, but he did, you know, he had a handful of good people around him. Dan Scavino, who was a social media aide. Kaylee McAdany, who came on his press deck. Mm -hmm. Sarah Huggabee Sanders was very America first. Um, but it's just, a, it was a very small group of people who were really America first and who were really supportive and had the president, former president's back. Yeah, I hope the future GOP, if there is one, you know, that we're going to take back something, I hope the future GOP is now aware, especially with all this military stuff, of how deep the rot goes, that we need a clean out, yeah. that, 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 that clearly they didn't understand before. Hopefully they understand it now. Yes, I think that. I don't think anyone really suspected how deeply it might go with military leadership mm -hmm. as far as the politicization, but it was pretty evident that it was the other institutions were pretty deeply infiltrated by those with a leftist political agenda. It's just going to take a lot of courage to take it on. So the GOP needs to back candidates who are willing to do that because it's a, it's a tough job and you go against the media, you're going to get hit and it takes a lot of backbone to do that. Emerald, how long do you give Joe? Oh my gosh. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. well, look, <laughs> I, mean, I, I ask I it because of this. I, I always thought he would last a year to help him save face and then just quietly move him out the back door. Health's deteriorating. But seeing the D.C. press start to get frustrated with him and the problem at the border and they have their lackey Kamala Harris waiting in the wings, I don't know that it's a year. What is it? What's the Emerald Robinson prediction? 
So I, like you, would have expected to, for them to keep him until 2022, mm-hmm. try to get through the midterms, right? No, you don't necessarily want a major shakeup like that where you're, you, you might be replacing literally the top uh, of the government. Um, but now that the press is really hammering them on the fact that he's not doing press conferences, he's not taking questions, he has not done a, a joint a, an address before a joint session of Congress. And I'll, on this, I've also heard that he might just send a letter, which he could do, you know, to Congress instead of actually doing a joint address. I think the last time it happened might have been Nixon. Um, I'm, don't don't quote me on that, but you know. Um, that's a possibility. So if that's the case and the press, um, which I didn't expect, is going at them so fast and so hard on this, I'm not sure how long how long this can go. Another year? Maybe. Oh Emerald Robinson, Newsmax, you're the best. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jesse. Remember that talk we've been having about trade schools? Oh, I've got a little story. Hang on. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. Super Beats Heart Chews taste good. They're more than just something for you to care for your heart and care for your blood pressure. It's not a burden to take them. They're delicious. <laughs> they taste they taste like fruit snacks every single night with dinner. I, I actually get made fun of now by my family because every single night with dinner, I have my two Super Beats heart chews lined up in a row right by my drink. As soon as dinner's done, that's my dessert every single night. And let me tell you, probably just a bit better for my heart then chocolate cake, just a little bit. And they have super grapes. I, I prefer the pomegranate berry. All natural, and it keeps those pill bottles away from me. You know how much I hate those pill bottles. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. When you buy two bags, they'll throw in the third for free. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Let's address this archaeologist thing because I'm I'm a history fan, as you may have noticed. Have been all, my whole life. That's not a new thing. Just I've always loved it. Well, yes, I had a brief period of time where I wanted to be an archaeologist. Chris was curious if I ever did. But then I found out there are no whips, there are no gunfights, it's nothing, absolutely nothing like this funny story, it's nothing like Indiana Jones at all. You don't even get to fight Nazis, Chris. I do have the same Indiana Jones hat still to this day, and to this day I still wear it. The wife is horrified, I'm not going to stop wearing it. In fact, I have the hat. And the leather jacket. Chris, I should go whip too, right? 
My folks got me a little whip when I was a kid. It was only like four feet long because I was so obsessed with Indiana Jones. Turns out you cannot climb trees with that thing as I was led to believe. <laughs> I took a nasty fall. That daggone gun movies. So, yes, it was brief, but I'm not going to go into archaeology if I can't get in gunfights. <laughs> Dr. J. Wait a minute. That's a cool nickname. With a what? We can add a couple. Sombrero Jesse's coming around any day now. May is coming. All right. Dr. J. Your recent discussion of this subject has been particularly interesting to me because I think about it all the time. You say about college versus trades. I went to a sunny school, glorified community college, in the early 2000s for my bachelor's, which did not cost much because of the times and the quality of the school. Two years after graduating, I got my MBA from a top 50 business school. I was 42, it was 42 credits and cost me $50,000. Luckily for me, I've been very well paid for the majority of my white collar corporate career and was able to pay my loans off about three years ago, but I'm not the norm. Admittedly, I am a 6'6", relatively handsome guy with broad shoulders and a deep voice. And he puts in parentheses, I'm probably somewhere around 15% as handsome as you. (laughs) And that has helped my career enormously. I'm a confident guy, but no way am I the brightest bulb in the box. And those intangibles definitely help. Anyway, I'm currently the GM of a large commercial real estate development in New Jersey. This place is huge and I have contractors here. Landscaping, electricians, plumbers, glass and metal, carpentry, you name it. One of my main duties here is paying all these guys, and I'm often floored at the size of the checks I write. I am 37 years old, so a lot of the owners of these companies are my age, and they absolutely crush me in earnings, even though I have a fancy master's degree, which, by the way, I have not used one single time. There is no task in my current role that I could not have learned on the job. To put things in perspective, we got crushed with 29 inches of snow on February 1st, and I just wrote a check to my landscaper for $60,000 to cover that one storm. Oh, and he has a massive company, and his trucks are all over the county during the storms. Me and my guys here guess his total revenue on that day was somewhere in the neighborhood of $1 million. I would be impressed, but he doesn't even have a master's degree, so joke's on him. Separately, I don't know if you've ever mentioned it, but the spicy chicken crunch wrap supreme is by far and away the best Taco Bell item ever sold. Love the show. Keep on keeping on. I've been trying to explain this. I'm never going to stop explaining this to you. College has never been more expensive. The education has never been this poor. It has never been this disgusting and communist. So unless your kid has a specific reason they have to go, why are you sending your kids off to a university to unlearn everything you've ever taught them? Why? Why? My best friend, he's got a business degree. You know what he did? Went and found some work for a few years in a specific industry. Then decided to start his own thing. Those checks that guy was just talking about, yeah, my best buddy gets those all the time. We hang out all the time. All the time. He'll wake up. Oh, we uh, 
we were doing some work for this company. They were impressed with it. They just signed us on another $250,000 contract. Oh, but that goes with the $50,000 contract I got yesterday. Oh, and the, and the $500,000 contract today. And oh, by the way, there was a big emergency. So now I have to run out there where they're paying me double the time. So that'll actually double the contract. He's just sitting there while you and I are, are chewing on a stick of gum. He's just opening checks and checks and checks and checks and checks. And I'm not saying money's everything. You don't have to go into the trades with the intention of starting your own business. Brother, you're, I'm reading the emails to you as they come in. Hotel mechanic, or hotel, elevator mechanic, diesel mechanic, plumbers, electrician, HVAC, 100000 $150,000, $200,000 a year. But you don't ever have to start your own business. That's not the dream of everybody. You know, you can support a family really, really nicely on $150,000 a year, man. That's a house for you and the old lady. That's two, three kids eating well, a couple decent cars in the driveway. That's life-changing without being $50,000, $100,000 in debt at the age of 23. There is a better path, a happier path. Choose it. I'm not done. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. I'm not telling you to guide your kids to trades for some selfish reason. I'm just looking at this gigantic vacuum that's opening up. Remember that one? Did I even get to that one last week? I don't even know if I got to it. Maybe I did. I, I don't know. I don't think. But there was one last week said the average age of the other guys in this industry was in their 60s. 60s. There's this huge vacuum of money about to be opened up. And you're sending your kid off to get... Uh, general studies for two years, maybe a a business degree. Why? If you got to go, go. But if you don't, why? There is a better way. There is a better way. 
The whole show just podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. We have had an awesome day. Tomorrow I'll be even better. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl... She got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball. From Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.